Welcome to Living Bread Radio Presents, a program designed to teach and evangelize about the Catholic faith through various speakers and presentations given in the local listening area. Today's show features Father Rick Wendell, a priest of the Diocese of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. His amazing story of life, death, and the graces he was given in Medjugorje will truly touch you. Today's talk was recorded at the Catholic Men's Fellowship of Northeast Ohio Annual Conference in February 2013. With part two of his conversion story, here is Father Rick Wendell. I went from there looking to find where I could get close to God because I didn't want to be here. So I went to a Catholic church. I didn't know, I knew this really was God's word that Jesus is who he said he was. But I didn't know if the Catholic Church was just an accident of my birth. It was just a coincidence, if that was the real way or not. I I had no idea. So I went to a church, and there's a good reason why they call us the frozen chosen. Man, I was like, where is everybody? Right? And you should be celebrating. I mean, this is like a morgue. And that's kind of funny when you think about it. All those people who are dead to the spirit, right? Because we want to be alive in that. But I, and it's no, no problem, right? And I was looking for a priest that was going to try um, confession, and I figured I was going to, you know, shock the priest. Let me tell you, you're not going to shock the priest. So I told this priest this whole story of being a great sinner, and he's like, save five Hail Marys. And I'm like, five Hail Marys? You've got to be kidding. That doesn't even count a lustful thought for me, you know? And, and it, again, it wasn't the priest's fault. It's just how God had convicted me. Well, I'm going to fast forward. My fiance's mom gives me this book on a place called Medjugorje in Yugoslavia. Now, alleged events of the visitation of the Blessed Mother, I will submit to the judgment of the church, and whatever it is is said, I'm fine with it. Because no one has to believe private revelation at all. I just know I receive great grace there. I called up this friend from high school who had been a, she went on to become Miss Minnesota. We'd been in plays together. But her family had a huge travel agency, and I said, I'm going to be married. I need honeymoon plans. And she goes, let me tell you this place I went to on my honeymoon, Medjugorje, Yugoslavia. I'm like, no way. No way. She tells me all these stories, and I'm like, man, that sounds really interesting. I'd like to go there. I said, you know, People weren't flying because of the first desert storm. And so they had like $300 tickets, $318, as I recall, to fly round trip. I said, well, get me one of those fares. And she goes, I can't. They're gone. I said, come on. You're a travel agent. You can, like, open an exit row or something. She goes, no, I can't do it. So I had been to this church looking for a place to pray. And it started because I picked up this little piece of paper in the cathedral that said, the never fail novena. And I wasn't really into formulas or anything like that, but I figured, you know, I could just pray. At least try that. Well, you had to do it in a church. Now, as a builder, it took me after dark. And so you find out the churches are locked, right? And if you call the church, you get the electronic answering machine. And if you really need to see Father, call his pager or whatever. You know, you don't get a real person. I just was being persistent because I didn't want to start over. And so I, I called this convent, you know, convent. Bells of St. Mary's, nuns in penguin outfits, convent. And I didn't remember there was any convent around because today, unfortunately, a convent is two nuns 
in a house. Right? And you may or may not be able to tell they're nuns. Usually you can, but... So they, used, they said, if you want to pray, we have a key to the church. You can come over anytime and pray. We'll give it, doesn't matter when. I'm like, great. So I go over there, building a new church. So there's the old church, Stone Church, Father Solanus Casey, who's, I think, venerable right now, probably going to be made sent. He was baptized in this church. And I get over to it. It's a little stone church. It was so decrepit, they didn't think it was worth locking anymore. I mean, the ceiling tiles were literally falling down. But the door wasn't locked. So I went in. It was not wired according to code. Because I know what code, and I couldn't find a light switch. I couldn't find the panel. I couldn't get the lights on. And all there was was the sanctuary candle. And something went, Jesus is present. And I, I walked up, and I walked up to the stairs. Because I, I was so distraught. I, didn't, I, I just couldn't find God anywhere where I felt him. And I knelt down, and that's where I began to learn how to pray. I knelt down, and I just poured myself out. I opened my, I said, Lord, I know you're there, but I don't know how to get to you. I don't know how to do this. And, I, and it was like being really lonely, really lonely. And all of a sudden, my arms went out, and my head went back, and there was this incredible communion. And I left, and I, I felt better. And I would go back to the church because I didn't want to show anybody what I was doing, but I knew that God would be there. Then one night the lights came on. It was this rosary group that used my telephone call as a sign, a sign to say the rosary for the troops in Desert Storm. And they were like, you have a special calling to go to Medjugorje. And I'm going, okay, this is some church lexicon. Called, what does that mean, right? They, you know, because everything has its lexicon, plumbing, you know, accounting, everything. You have a special calling to go. And if you decide to go, Mary will pay for it. Fanatics. And so the next day, I, I got on the phone. It was Friday. Passed the checks out to the guys. Got a cold adult beverage. Milwaukee, right? And I had all these airlines offering me seats. And, I, and my mother was there. And I said, I said, there's two seats to Zurich. And she goes, I'll go with you. So we made these ridiculous three-week plans. We'll go to Rome. I was conceived on my parents' honeymoon in Rome. Let's go see what the inspiration was, right? Years later, my dad said, we never redeemed you for what the two turtle does. Rome just got you back, you know? So we're going to go to Rome. Then we'll go across the Adriatic Sea to this place over there and see what's going on in Medjugorje, whatever. And then when we're done, we'll go over and we'll go to Paris and We'll see Notre Dame and Sacré-Cœur and Rodin's Gardens and the Louvre and, right, Versailles Castle. I don't look like I like museums, but I do, you know. And so I'm making three-week-long plans right, right when road construction ends, you know, or con- the restrictions on road and you can really build. I mean, you don't do that, right? Farmers, dairymen, builders, you'd go in the middle of winter. I make these ridiculous plans, knowing full well I can cancel. Put it on a credit card, and the next morning I go out, and in the mailbox is a check for 3800 bucks from the insurance company because I had been awake for surgery on my knees, and they had charged for a guy that wasn't in the room, and I told the insurance company. Now, have you ever heard the insurance company kicking a patient a check for being honest? So now my trip is paid for, right? We go over, we're treated like royalty, 
my cousin who's a priest was with Divine Word Missionaries. They go and they put us up and they give us apartments and they give us drivers with Vatican credentials and we get, you know, right past the Swiss guards, you know, and just incredible. We're going to go to over, over the Adriatic Sea, but the war started in Bosnia and, and, and there was don't travel. So this priest says to me, he says, well, why let your faith fail you now? You don't go into a communist country with no way out with a 62-year-old mother who had had heart conditions and you're carrying all the luggage, right? Not a smart plan. But I made those one-way tickets. We got over there, we're on the boat, we're eating fried calamari, drinking some wine, and, and this couple comes up and they, and they said, how are you getting the two and a half hours from the coast up to where Medjugorje is? And I said, I don't know, there's trains, planes, automobiles, I can always find something. They go, no, God called us to drive you there. I'm like, what? They said, yeah, we've been there a bunch of times. Our daughter works for the airlines. We, we just came to drive you, and then we're leaving tomorrow morning. What? <laughs> they go and they get this big car. They drive up these guard, no guardrail roads, looking down the cliff. We, we get into this Medjugorje, and we're just coming into town, and I have a panic attack. I've never had a panic attack in my life. I was like, if my mom hadn't been in there and my luggage, I would have jumped out of the car. And it was like the last chance the devil had with me. I literally had a panic attack. And they take us to this house, and, and I'm like, but I want to go stay over there. And, and my mother does that, you know, now, son, if tomorrow you want to move, I suggest you let the Lord be in charge. I'm like, oh, you know. They take us over, to and we, and we go to climb this, this elevation. It's not really a mountain, but... It's up in the mountains for them, you know, and it's an elevation, and they had put the, a cross up there on the 1900th anniversary of the crucifixion of Christ, and there's the way of the cross going up. So I get about three stations up, and my mother quits, and she's like, I can't go on. You go on, son. So I go to the top, and I'm like looking down, and the Lord goes, you guys have profoundly screwed this up. You know, I'm lavishing love on the world. Nothing grows without me. Nothing happens without me. Everything you have comes from me. And what do you return instead of love? This cold indifference. You don't even hate me. I'm like, wow. And I come down off this thing and I get down and there's, my mother's not there and she's not there, she's not there. She's sitting down in the one little cement thing with a budvar, you know, that's the Czechoslovakian Budweiser. And uh, she's going, how did you get down, son? Did you did you take the trail or did you take the stairs? Well, I kind of came down the way I went up. I didn't want you to know how bad I felt. My heart was hurting. And you, you just took so long coming back that I asked the Lord to help me because I didn't think I could make it down myself. So he showed me where the stairs are and I took them. There ain't no stairs there. That was like my first hour or two hours. We go over to this place where the apparitions first began and I see this girl and I get this, go pray with her. I'm like... What? I don't do that. You know, and I mean, I got long hair. You know, I don't go over there and pray with her. I go down to the church an hour before Mass, and it's so packed you can't get in. And I'm not talking just the chairs. I'm talking every little space all the way up to and including the, the stairs that go up right, right to the dais. I mean, packed. Like, like you can't be an Italian nun and get in. Priests know what that, right? In, in Rome, you, you know, you could be standing there this tight and a little Italian nun will come by right through you. But it was so packed, I had to sit on the outside of the church. And so I sat in the sun, and I was sitting there, and they were praying the rosary, and it was coming out in a hundred different languages, and I get, ah, oh, universal church. 
And then these people got, you know, they, it's almost like they stopped moving around and then it got real quiet. Like the birds stopped chirping. It got dead still. And then people were looking up at the sun. And I was like, I heard there was, you know, like a dancing sun like Fatima. And I didn't expect to see anything. And I, you know, I mean, it's not good to look at the sun. You could burn your retinas, you know. And I looked and I went, that doesn't hurt. And I'm looking at it, and it changes colors, and it big beams of light are shining, and, so, and it's shimmering and shaking, and and then some, it would, it would like the inside would spin, and then and then the, like the outside would change the other direction, and it was like, and I'm I'm looking for my mom, she's not around, and I I turn to the lady next to me, are you, are you seeing this? And she's like, yeah, but not everybody was, and she's she's looking at it, and I go, well, what are you seeing? And that's when I learned that guys are not good with colors, you know. What is magenta, you know? I know light purple and dark purple, magenta. So I went looking for my mom, because it's a pretty powerful thing, and I, she, I didn't find her. I went to where uh, the tabernacle is on the inside, and then I was taken away, and I was shown my life. From five years old, stealing a little, like, matchbox toy car, and I got to feel how that broke God's heart. That this little boy that he loved, and he would have given it to me. If I would have asked my parents, they would have given it to me. I didn't need to do that. And it just got far worse from there. I mean, it got far worse from there. People died because of me. It was bad. And I believe that if you're not super, you know, supernaturally supported when you're shown your life, the, the very grief of it will break your heart and kill you. I mean, it's that, you do not know, we, we minimize everything. Anybody who's been in the confessional with me knows, I go, don't minimize, right? Don't rationalize, just confess the sin, right? Because it's far worse than you even remember because of the ripple effect that goes out and out. I kept saying over and over again, sobbing, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I didn't know. And every time I made a decision, every single time, I went through my whole life, and then all of a sudden I realized I'm on the, I'm on the pavement, and my, it's just wet with my tears on the stones. I, I know that my mother was sitting on a chair, and I put my arms around her, and we were like little kids looking at an obvious miracle. But then God's not bound by the laws he made. He can do anything he wants. He can heal a bone like that. He can raise somebody from the dead. He, you know, what is it for God to multiply more fish when he made fish in the first place? Miracles are just things that don't follow our normal plan of how we understand things. I wanted to go to confession bad, really bad. Next day, I ran into this priest who was an older vocation like me, and I knew in an instant, just like, just like when I looked at the vocation director and knew he was a vocation director before I ever talked to him, you know, they just had a charism to him, and I, I went up to this Irish priest, and uh, he's like, yeah, come back after lunch. I go back after lunch, and it's raining outside, and so nobody's out there, and I, and I said, in my mind, like, Lord, I would have liked to go on a confession to Father Mike. He walks right out of my peripheral vision with an umbrella. And he sits down and he hears this confession. And when he's done, he puts his hand on my head. And in the absolution, this heat went into me. This, I didn't know what it was. I just knew that it was. And then he said, you know, not five Hail Marys for you. Take your shoes off and climb that mountain and pray for every person you've ever hurt. I could remember their names. 
And I sobbed all the way up and sobbed all the way down. There's a crucifix at the bottom, and I prostrated myself before the cross and begged for my life. Um, you can't even see that guy. I was a bad actor. I, I broke them all. And I got up, and I, I, can't, I felt forgiven. I, I, and so I, I walked down to the church, and I run into this Father Mike Canary from Ireland, and, and he goes, come with me. Nothing happens to anybody else. I walk up to him. He calls it a healing service. Nothing happened to anybody else. I'd just been to confession. I just, I don't know that I'm in a state of grace, that I, I'm sorry not because of, I fear God's punishment, but because I'm so far, sorry I offended him and hurt his people. It's called perfect contrition. I didn't know that until I was in the seminary. I just knew that I felt forgiven. I didn't know what to pray for. I didn't know how to do it because I didn't do any of this stuff. And I walked up to him, and from about five feet away, my mouth opens up, and I say, I have many scars on my heart, and what I want is the Holy Spirit. And I'm like, that's weird. This stuff keeps happening. And I didn't intend to say anything. And And he just, he took some oil, just like confirmation, makes a sign of the cross on my forehead, puts his hand on my head, and puts his hand on my heart, and the Holy Spirit comes down, like, this is more powerful than any drug experience. It, it, it's it's like, I, like I stuck my head in the antimatter on Star Trek. You know, I mean, just incredibly powerful. And it stopped above my heart. And he spoke right to it. He said, let there be no more doubt. Let there be no more fear. And then it was like the biggest breath of air I ever took in my leg. And wham! I mean, and I, it just kind of blew me wide open. And the more I gave myself over, the more he filled me. And it just kept going out and out and out. This was like the most ecstatic experience I'd ever had. And, and I, there was no definition. And I kind of relaxed away from it. Found I was on the ground, right? My feet are sticking out like, you know, straight out. My body's just stiff like you could have grabbed two chairs and stuck me between them like a magician's dummy. It's that stiff. And... There's his father, Mike, over the top of me with his hand on my chest, and he goes, and he didn't say anything. And, and there was a, this 18-year-old Bill Curry who had been delivered from alcoholism. And, and into this stiffness came a warmth. I had known winning the big game. I knew falling in love. I knew success. I just never knew joy. I mean, joy. Father Mike said I almost broke his back. I hugged him so hard, and I've never been the same. Never been the same. The next day, it's a feast of Corpus Christi, the body and blood of Jesus Christ. And I have one of those visitations again. Right at dawn, it's not a dream or I wouldn't have a collar on. All of a sudden, I'm standing in this field. Wind's blowing through this six-inch grass. You know how it looks like waves? And if you get the right time of year, it's got a silver back and a green front. And there was a fence that went down this way. And up walks Jesus, just like you'd ever expect him to look, right? He walks up, his brown overmantle on the kind of creamy one underneath, beard, good-looking, the kind of Jesus you'd expect. Not the wimpy French Jesus. I'm talking about the stud, right? Perfect man Jesus. And he, and he walks up, and it, it's without words. It's like, it's like beyond words. It's, you know, like direct communication. He goes, I want you to be a priest. I'm like, you have got to be kidding. I'm like the worst sinner ever. We just went through this. And I'm serious. And he's going, yep. Like, yeah. Like, casual about it. And I'm going, I'm engaged to be married. The dress is bought. The country club is rented. The best blues band in the Twin Cities is playing. Right? Critical mass has been achieved. And he goes, 
Yeah. And I'm like, this is for guys. They come up the altar boy shoot. You create them right special from the beginning, and then you have angels carry them to the altar to be ordained. I mean, it's not for guys like me. And he goes, I know what I'm doing. And he turns and walks away. And you'd think, you know, all of a sudden a butler's lives of the saint scribe gets out and starts writing your story, you know, and the angels play. And it's, no, devastating. I never, ever, ever thought of being a priest. Ever. Every dream I've had has been crushed. Crushed. And I got to go home. And there she is at the airport. Welcome home, honey. And I know exactly what that means. And that's a good honey. I never dated again. It was not an easy road. But my parents were married in the cathedral in Milwaukee. I was baptized in the cathedral in Milwaukee. I was ordained in the cathedral in Milwaukee. And my cousin, the priest, was there for each one, vested me in my priestly vestments, preached my first mass. I knew he wouldn't be there for my funeral, but I'll be buried out of that cathedral, God willing. So... A few months back, I got a phone call from a priest friend of mine. He says, they're doing this priest-only pilgrimage to the Holy Land. Would you like to go? I go, that just sounds perfect. It's priest-only. It's right between Christmas and Lent. I don't have anything else scheduled at that time. You know, I've got continuing ed money. This is continuing education, right? It's going to inform my preaching. It's going to help my scripture study. And it's the Holy Land. Come on. It's, it's a retreat. They pay for the entire trip, 3000 whatever. They pay the entire trip. I had stuff left over. I had premium lake property left over. So I got out of that and put it into this farm, and I take care of my mother there, and I have some shaggy cattle, Scottish Highlanders. So there wasn't, it was not a good hay year, right? So they're just glorified pasture ornaments, if you ask me, but they taste good too. And so this guy that's not my parishioner, calls up and he says, I know you're looking for some hay, but I got an entire silo full of silage. How about you bring all your cattle over here and I'll feed them till your grass grows in the spring. Who does that? For free. So now they haul the cattle. Everything's taken care of. My mother, I have Filipino help. Everything's done. Deck's cleared. I end up knowing seven of the 11 other priests. We go there. It's the Holy Land. What more could you expect? And they take us to the primacy of Peter. It could be 100 yards that way. It could be 100 yards that way, but that's all. This is where Peter was called the second time, right? After the resurrection. They didn't go back to doing ministry. They went back to fishing. Very bold of them. Galilee's a small spot. So we're sitting there, and we've got 15 minutes, us priests. We've got 15 minutes to, to be there. So I sit down on this rock, and the Lord, who knows I love this passage of Peter being called, and three times, the thrifold denial, the, the threefold compliance with God's will to be sent. And all of a sudden, I get another talking to. I'm there with my brother priest, and that's it. We're sitting where he is called the other apostles. Jesus, it wasn't the first time Jesus was there. He's there after the resurrection, and he's calling right, his apostles. And he's going to resend them, because they went back to fishing. And he goes, I love you. You are my beloved son. I love you not because you deserve to be loved or have earned my love, but because I choose to love you. I've called you to this place to recommission you. Do not be afraid. He knows how disappointed I've been, how difficult it's been. My diocese is in bankruptcy. 
It's a tough world out there because people don't want to hear this message. But yet, has it always been so? I love you. Do you realize I took care of every single detail? I had someone you could trust call you, offer you the exact kind of pilgrimage you wanted to go on to the Holy Land, not as a tour leader, but as a pilgrim. I provided the money and the inspiration for you to get that money. I took care of your cattle. I took care of your mother. I took care of every bill. I took, I took it at a perfect time so you couldn't say no. I provided coverage for your parish. I provided every detail so you could be here. And again, I'm crying. What do you do in response to that? Tears are falling on this Bible. My brothers, this stuff is real. And this doesn't happen just to me. It's available and happens to all of us if we have eyes to see it. If we have ears to hear it. If we're willing to respond to God's call. Because each of us is called. Every one of you was called here today. Everyone. And there's details in that that you probably don't recognize, but the grace is still there. It's in the, it's, it's in the guys that come say, thank you, Father, with tears in their eyes. I'm not doing anything there. That's the Holy Spirit. Speaking through every speaker, coming through the music, getting you to this place so God can say, you are my beloved son. I don't love you because you deserve to be loved, because you're active in your parish, because you're nice to your wife, because you paid for your kid's college education. I'm here to love you because I love you, personally, specifically, directly. And I want to give you my Father's love, the love you always have been looking for that you probably got imperfectly from your own father and you probably passed on imperfectly because God did not find this church and find this faith on perfection. He founded it on imperfection. He founded it on a sinful world, fallen. He founded it on Peter who said three times, I deny you, only to recommission him in that imperfection to be the very vicar of Christ and the rock, the kephos, upon which this church is founded and the very gates of hell will never prevail against it. It's a promise from Almighty God. You are his beloved sons and he loves you merely because he chooses to love you and will never stop loving you. It is for us then to respond to so great a grace in our own life. None of us is worthy of the call. None of us is worthy of the grace. None of us. I've done nothing worthy of the grace that I've received in my life. But I am grateful, as imperfectly as I'm grateful, as a sinner I'm grateful, as a priest of his holy church, I'm most grateful. And I am most grateful to have been with you. May God bless you, your wives, your children, your friends, and the generations which will come to honor your family name. Be worthy of so great a call. Respond with generosity. The Lord be with you. Praise be Jesus Christ, now and forever. And may Almighty God bless you all, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. This has been a production of Living Bread Radio in Canton, Ohio. 